Welcome to Easter week and thanks for choosing to be with us today. My name is Doug Kempton and this is my wife, Meg. Happy Resurrection Day. This is certainly not what we had planned a few months ago, uh, but we're really grateful for technology. We're grateful for the ability to still gather, even though it's uh, virtually gathering, but we're glad that you chose to be with us uh, on this Resurrection weekend. Uh, I want you to just know about a, a special thing that the children's ministry put together. Uh, it's called Easter Jam, and it's about an hour long, uh, but it's for the whole family from elementary all the way up to high school. There's games, there's worship, and then there's uh, a, just an excellent telling of the Easter story in there as well. And if you haven't taken advantage of that, just would encourage you uh, to do that. Maybe carve out an hour this afternoon or tomorrow, whatever works for you. Mm -hmm and uh, just take advantage of that Easter gym. So grab your Bibles uh, and turn to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. Uh, Meg is gonna read for us and the passage uh, that she's reading, uh, I chose because it's packed full of encouragement. Paul is writing to uh, the people in Rome who are literally being slaughtered for their faith. Uh, and he's telling them that there's reason for hope. And if you just think about what I just said, that's pretty crazy, right? People are being killed because they're Christians. And Paul is saying, hey, we still want you to have hope. So I put, chose this passage just because it's so encouraging as we navigate this uh, COVID-19 season, all the pain that's associated, the loss that's associated with it. There's something for us in this passage. So as Meg reads, uh, my encouragement to you is listen for the words of hope, uh, listen for God's Spirit to speak to you particularly. She's going to start reading at verse 18. I have a reading for you from the book of Romans, chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate, separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Meg. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for the hope that is in this passage of Scripture. Uh, thank you for how you are journeying with us. Uh, Lord, right now I pray for... Uh, Linda and Tracy, uh, who are dear sisters here at Grace who have lost their husbands, uh, we pray for your comfort. Uh, we pray that you would minister to them and their families as they grieve this season. Pray that we would know how to minister to them and to others within our body that just have had deep loss in this season. We pray for our city. We pray for our state. We pray for our country. May your kingdom come and your will be done here on this earth as it is in heaven. Restore renew and bring about your presence and your peace. We pray in these next few minutes that you would bring this Romans passage to life, that you would speak to each one of us individually uh, in just the way that we know that you can. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the resurrection that we celebrate uh, this weekend. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Thank you. So one thing's for certain, we are walking through a very unique and difficult season. Uh, it's just been a week of weeks of change, weeks of loss, weeks of confusion, weeks of uncertainty, uh, and really more. And while all of this is true, uh, God has not been knocked off his throne, right? He's still working in us and through us. He's working in our lives. He's working for a purpose, something that we'll talk about in just a few minutes. My desire in this message this morning is to offer you something to actually hold on to in this season. Something maybe to anchor you amidst the, the chaos. My hope is to point you to God, uh, whom the psalmist says is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in times of trouble. And the fact is, in a season like this, we need a place of refuge. We need a person of refuge, if you will, to help us to, to, that we can lean into when we need it. The fact is that we are weary and we are tired. Some are dealing with heartbreaking loss, and they need that infusion of strength that is offered in this passage. We need the presence of God to help us in the season of trouble. And Romans 8 reminds us and it assures us that God is up to something good even when we cannot see it or we don't understand it. The resurrection we celebrate each Easter, it serves to remind us that when all looks bleak and unimaginable, when, when things seem to be coming apart at the seams, the world itself seems to be falling apart, God shows up. And God brings redemption. Beauty comes from the ashes and life springs from death. We see this uh, 
picture of how God works throughout nature. In God's creation, we see it. We see the seed that's, that's buried, that dies, and it, and it grows and it blooms into beautiful life. We see it as springtime comes when the grass and the trees seem to come back to life in just such a, an incredible sort of way. We see it when there's a major forest fire and new life springs forth. It's, it's all revealed by, by God's hand that nature reveals his way to us of bringing uh, life out of difficult situation. The resurrection of Jesus in the Easter weekend reminds us that in our darkest moments, the story is not over. It's not finished. That God will, in fact, have the last word. And it's funny, when I was putting the sermon together, I was thinking at this point, I wish the room was full so I could kind of rally you all to a hearty amen to the fact that, that he is risen. I would say, he is risen, and you would say, he is risen indeed. And then Denny over there would say, amen, brother. But anyway, you're not here, you're out there. Hopefully you said it. When I said he is risen, you said he is risen indeed. So we're in this series called Give It Up, and uh, we've been talking about giving up fear. We've talked about giving up control, uh, giving up false comforts. We talked about giving up expectation, fear, control, comfort, expectations. These are all natural, uh, normal human emotions. But what we've discovered is that there is a spirit way of responding that brings life. And then there is a human way of responding to all of those emotions that brings chaos and even brings death at times. And this week, we're going to talk about giving up despair, giving up despair. And despair, it's the complete loss or the absence of hope. The opposite of hope is despair or maybe hopelessness or discouragement or despondence or depression or anguish or gloom or dejection or skepticism. I was shocked when I was doing my sermon prep when I uh, looked online and they said that there are 227, 227 antonyms for the word hope, words that are opposite of hope, 227. And if we're honest with ourselves, these words like hopelessness, despair, depression, anguish, gloom, they resonate with us in this season, right? In this season of hurt and loss, it's easy for us to, to identify with those words. But the good news is that because of Jesus, we are able to rise above those emotions and we are able to find peace and we're able to find comfort. And yes, we're even able to find hope amidst the pain. Romans 8 serves to remind us of this truth. Verse 21 it's, or these 21 verses, excuse me, remind us that, and, and tell us that there is reason for hope. So what I'm going to do is take these 21 verses and I'm going to give you four reasons for hope. And the first reason is found in verse 18, where Paul writes these words, so fitting for the season that we're in. 18, verse 18, he says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to reveal to us. So the first reason for hope is eternity, eternity, the promise and the expectation of eternity for those who, that know Jesus. The truth is, if this life is all that there is, then it's a bitter pill. It's almost unbearable to think that this is all that there is. 
But we can shed our despair. We can give up our despair when we set our minds on what is to come. It's the ultimate example of what they call delayed gratification. You know what delayed gratification is, right? That's when you know uh, that there's a, a prize, if you will, at the end. And if you do something or don't do something, you will be rewarded with that something on the other end, right? It's, it's an incredible opportunity to, for us to practice living in the tension of delayed gratification. Being able to visualize a better outcome allows you to navigate pain and hope. Let me give you an example. Maybe you played sports or maybe you're still in school and you're, and you're playing sports and you are learning or you've learned that if you practice hard, if you work hard, if you push your body to the limits, that there is a payoff when it comes to game time. The, the pain of practice is no comparison to the ability to compete at a much higher level. Or maybe when it comes to, to weight loss or it comes to just working out on a regular occasion, you're going to do better in both of those arena if you have your mind set on the outcome, set on where it's going to be. Or, or how about this? The only reason you would ever pile in a minivan with all of your kids and drive all the way to Florida is because you are thinking about Disney World. You're thinking about the end, not the means to get there. But if you focus on the pain of the practice, or if you focus on the pain in working out, if you focus on the, on the pain of being on a diet, or if you focus on the pain of the drive, then all of those experiences become experiences of despair. But if you focus on the prize, the payoff, then there's hope amidst the pain. For what we experience in this world pales in comparison to eternity and the glory that's going to be revealed. The passage makes it clear that all of us who are following Jesus, we groan for that day, that day that when we're with him, that day when everything will be set right. And then it actually says that nature groans in the same way. We long for the day when there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more coronavirus, no more wars, no more famine, no more heartache, no more cancer, no more death, no more sorrow. All creation groans. And verse 23 tells us it groans inwardly and, and it waits eagerly for the adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. Now here's where I think Paul was a brave man because he uses childbirth as a metaphor. He's brave because my theory is no man should ever assume to know anything about childbirth. And whenever speaking of such things like childbirth, one should always do it with complete and absolute humility. So not that Paul had any idea what he was talking about, but he says this pain, this groaning, this longing gives way to something better like in childbirth where the pain is a necessary part of the process. See, I'm already getting nervous talking about childbirth. Pain is worth the baby. That's the picture he uses. Turn, eternity is exponentially better than anything that we can experience in this life. So the first reason for hope is eternity. And the second reason is you have an advocate. You have an advocate. In this unsettling, difficult season, 
Some of you, and myself included, sometimes I don't know how to pray. You don't know how to pray. You don't know what to pray. You feel at a loss. You feel like there's nothing you can do. You have no idea what to say to God and, and how to approach God in this difficult season. And the good news is you're not left alone to figure that out. Look at what verse 26 and 27 says. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't know how to pray, the Spirit helps us. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. You and I, anyone who said yes to Jesus are the saints. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Nature groans. We groan. And the awesome truth of this passage is the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is groaning on our behalf. That word groaning there, it's the same word as sighing. It's brought on by loss or grief. It's that, and you've probably found yourself doing this, maybe more than you even realize that. <sighs> the deep sigh, it's a natural way of responding to to releasing all of the, the emotion that's in you. It's, it's a very natural process. And the passage is saying that the Holy Spirit is sighing on our behalf, groaning on our behalf. This passage has nothing to do with speaking in tongues. It's a passage of encouragement that even when you have no words, even when you don't know what to pray, words are still, listen, spoken over you by the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. You have an advocate. So four reasons for hope. The first is eternity, and the second is advocacy. But there's another reason for hope in this passage that allows us to give up our despair. Look at verses 31, 32. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You have eternity, you have advocacy, and you have victory. The passage says, regardless of how bleak it is, regardless of how difficult it is, God will, in God's timing, graciously give you all things. God shows us his unfathomable, his insurmountable, his unconditional love to us by giving us his son that we can be right with God. Easter reminds us that the love of the Father is poured out to us through the Son. Love wins. We win. When you say yes to Jesus, your victory is secured. You win. The bottom line is this, the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. It is going to be revealed to us. As a reminder of this, there's these words that so many of you have probably memorized. It's verse 28 of Romans 8. And Meg read it out of the ESV, but I want to read it for you also out of the NIV because that's the translation many of you probably memorized this particular verse in. Romans 8, 28 in the NIV says, And now, that, excuse me, and we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we know that all things... All things, God works for the good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. 
I think this is a verse that's used a lot, and I think it's a verse that's also misused a lot. So let me tell you what this verse does not mean. It does not mean that if you lose your job, God is going to give you a better job. That may happen, but that's not what this verse is saying. It doesn't mean that if your marriage implodes and your spouse walks out on you, that God is going to give you a different spouse or a better spouse. That is not what the passage is saying. Now, again, that may happen, but that's not what this passage is saying. And, and here's the deal. We get ourselves in all kinds of trouble when we take this passage and we translate it with a narrow, worldly, or materialistic perspective. Now let me tell you what the verse actually means. And I know what I'm about to say is often hard to reconcile and maybe even hard to believe at times in our lives. But Romans 8, 28, listen to this. It means that nothing, not death, not the coronavirus, not the loss of graduation, not the inability to see your family and friends, nothing will touch your life that is not under the sovereign control of your loving heavenly father. Everything is sovereignly used by God. The fact is, we may not understand it, and we certainly may not enjoy it, but nothing comes our way that he cannot use to advance his purposes in us and in the world. Let me say that again. Nothing comes our way that he cannot use to advance his purposes in us and in the world. In short, the verse means that, that in the end, all things work together for ultimate victory. It means that in the end, we win even when we can't see it or we can't even see a way that that's possible. And for this reason, we can shed our despair and we can embrace hope. We have eternity, we have advocacy, we have victory. And the fourth reason to give up despair and embrace hope is the truth that when you say yes to Jesus, it is absolutely locked in, it is secure. All of these wonderful promises of Romans are yours if you've said yes to Jesus. I want you to look at these last verses in verse 37. He writes these words. He says, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who love us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have eternity, we have advocacy, we have victory, and we have security. Before I wrap up, I want to uh, hit the pause button, if you will, and I want to give you just a couple of questions to talk about in your living room or dining room, wherever you're watching it. If you're by yourself, it's a good time to journal. If you're with your family, uh, talk about these questions. I'd also like to encourage you to talk about these questions when you meet as your C group and you do your Zoom meetings. And if you're not in a C group, uh, a slide's going to come up right now that will uh, give you a way to get a hold of us and let us know that you want to be in a C group. So it's just an email that's groups at gracewire.com. Uh, we have a couple new groups that are just forming and we can plug into those. But if we get uh, more people than we can handle, we will form more seasonal C groups. We'd love for you to get connected. But here's the two questions. The first one, have you said yes to Jesus? Have you said yes to Jesus? If so, all of these promises of Romans 8 are for you. But if you haven't, maybe today is the day. What's keeping you from saying yes to Jesus right now? Just tell God you need him. 
Tell him you surrender your life to him and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Have you said yes to Jesus? And the second question is, when it comes to our four reasons for hope, when it comes to eternity, advocacy, victory, and security, which one of these is hardest for you to truly accept? Can I just tell you, here's the great news. Nothing can snatch you from the Father's hand. God has done all that needs to be done. Everything is in place to secure your eternity with him. You don't have to wonder if you're good enough because you're not. You don't even have to wonder if you're worthy because you're not. You don't need to ask yourself if you have what it takes because you don't. That's why Jesus came. That's the Easter story. That's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus rose from the dead, because we are incapable of cleaning ourselves up. We are incapable of saving ourselves. And the good news is we don't have to. Jesus has secured our eternity and there's reason for hope. Let me pray. I pray that the God of hope would fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. I pray that you would overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May you be filled. May the power and the comfort of God be with you so you can go forth and be agents of comfort. Lord, I pray that we would rest in the fact that you give us eternity, that you give us victory, you give us security, that you advocate for each one of us. May the truths of Romans 8 guide us and give us great hope in a season of difficulty. May we embrace the hope that you're offering. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want to remind you uh, that we have a Zoom prayer, uh, that, and that'll come up on the screen right now, that you can... Uh, Go online and uh, go to a Zoom room and they'll connect you with uh, some prayer people. If you said yes to Jesus, we would love to hear from you. If you don't know what that means and you have questions about what it means to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, go on Zoom. Allow us to spend a few minutes with you just walking through that uh, in a way that's more um, clear to you. Uh, if you have a physical need, a spiritual need, uh, the prayer people are waiting for you uh, to dial in so that they can uh, spend some time with you. Do people still dial in? I don't think so, but you know what I mean. God bless you. Thanks for spending your Easter with us.